Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Hi, I'm Jeff from Mother's Brewing in Springfield, Missouri, and this is my mother. Now, Jeffrey, I need to ask you about Oktoberfest. Sure, Oktoberfest at Mother's Brewery runs the last three weekends in September. But you see the problem, right? Last three weekends in September for Oktoberfest? Shouldn't it actually be in October? You know, Mom, the real Oktoberfest in Munich actually runs the last three weeks of September. Well, shouldn't we all just call it Septemberfest, then? Besides, our Oktoberfest beer is actually a Bavarian-style Marzen lager. The name means it's brewed in March, so we can release it in July and drink it in September to celebrate Oktoberfest. You realize when you confuse people like that, it reflects on me, dear. I'm the mother. You're such a good mom. (laughs) You're such a good boy. Mother's Oktoberfest lager and our amazing Mr. Pumpkin Ale. Available all September and October. I was going to say, welcome to the, the Empire Builders podcast, blah, blah, blah. blah. I, I, I didn't open the document that has my standard opening script, Stephen. You didn't. Okay. Can we just take it as written? The, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting podcast about empire building where uh, you're a business uh, consultant and, and I'm your business partner and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Is that all recorded? But, uh, well, you know what? I think we might just use this. <laughs> <laughs> So I was going to open up with a question for you. All right, let's hear it. You got any cold PBR on hand? You know, see, I wouldn't know what PBR was unless I told you ahead of time what this episode is about. But no, I don't. In fact, I've never had it. You've never had a cold PBR? I've never had a cold PBR. And for those who are not in the United States, please, that PBR is... Pabst, Pabst Blue, Ribbon. Blue Ribbon. Yeah, there you go. Well, you've I never didn't... been to a bowling alley? <laughs> Not in the United States. <laughs> you never been to a billiard lounge? <laughs> lounge makes it sound fancy. <laughs> hey, oh, it's fancy. Pabst Blue Ribbon. I, I hadn't thought of that as a giant empire. It's just another big old beer name. But I sense no, a story it... brewing. Well, there is, because the story of Pabst is as much about the story of the origin of American-style lager as it is a story about Pabst. Like, the two are very, very um, integrated. And at its peak, Pabst was the best-selling beer in America. Like, there was a time where it was a really, really big deal. And today, American lager is the best-selling alcohol on the planet. And the story starts back in 1863 with Captain Frederick Pabst. And he was a captain. He was a captain. He was a steamship captain. And basically, he lost his ship and all of the contents in the storm. And he's sitting there thinking, man, I've got some savings and I need to start over. 
but he wasn't sure what he wanted to do. He's sitting on the shore thinking, I could sure use a cold beer. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he was drinking while driving. Uh, Who knows? <laughs> oh, crap. I could, I could use a cold beer right about now. And so I, could use a, I, could, I could use a cold beer right about now. And he's married to Maria Best, who's the daughter of Philip Best, a Milwaukee brewer. And he has a brewery over on Chestnut Street Hill in Milwaukee. And he basically convinces him to buy into the business, saying, you know, don't do this ship captain thing, but buy into the business. And, and so he, do, he chooses to do that. And at the time, the most popular beers were English style ales that were sold warm. But around the late 1800s, there was this increase of immigration from Germany. Mm -hmm. And they brought a couple of things with them. They brought the idea of kindergarten, but they also brought this desire <laughs> for German-style ales that were brewed cold and served cold. And in Germany, you know, they brewed these basically in caves. And Milwaukee was a great place to make these beers. First of all, there was a large German population, there was water, and there was lots of ice. Yeah, they would just cut the ice in the wintertime, store it over the summer. And there were 400 breweries in the U.S. at that time and 35 in Milwaukee alone. Ah, uh, that says something, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. So here's Captain Paps. He decides he no longer wants to be a ship captain, and he takes his life savings, and he buys a controlling interest in Best Brewery. At the time, the, the business is being run by Emile Chandelin, who later went on to marry the other daughter, Lizette, <laughs> and, okay. and later buy the remaining shares of the company. But that's another story. So once Paps takes over the business, he quickly learns that the brewery has fallen behind in technology. Like, Paps is familiar with all the changes that steam power is bringing around that time because of his experience as a ship captain. So he looks at modernizing the brewery, but he decides, you know what? Instead of building or upgrading, it would be faster to buy a modern brewery. So he goes out, borrows a bunch of money, and he buys Southside Brewery. So I'll give you an idea, they're doing about 5,000 barrels a year of beer in their existing okay. facility. To pay for this acquisition, they now have to increase their sales to 90,000 barrels of beer oh, wow. a year. <laughs> and I have to remind you, he has no experience in beer. He's a ship captain who lost his ship. Who lost his ships, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to say, when you said he was no longer interested in being a steamship captain, I was like, well, he didn't have any ships left. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So to make this work, he needs to sell beyond Milwaukee. He needs to sell to the whole region. And this uh -huh. acquisition makes him the largest in the area. Now, a few years after the acquisition in 1871, the Chicago fire happens. And oh that levels a third of the city, tens of thousands of buildings, including 19 breweries. Oh, I smell opportunity. And Pop sees opportunity because Chicago is just across the lake. Yeah. So he buys land in Chicago, orders large warehouses to be built or bought if he can find them. And he's going to take over the Chicago market. That's what he decides to go after. Now, in a future podcast, we're going to talk about Schlitz because Schlitz and Paps are very tightly tied together when it comes to the history of beer because he gets outmaneuvered by Schlitz. We're just going to have to wait for that podcast. Okay. And you're really going to want to listen to that one. It's a great story as well. But Dave, I'm going to make you and everyone else wait. So here's the problem. 
He has more production than customers, and beer has limited shelf life. It goes bad. It spoils. It can't be shipped easily because these are the days before refrigeration. Mm -hmm. So Captain Paps decides he needs to change the beer recipe. He needs to make a new lager that can travel with more shelf life. And this means a formula with less protein. There's a big opportunity here because in 1875, there's no national brands. So he gets his chemist working on it, and they try to do all these replacements for barley, but this changes you know, the flavor dramatically. They do lots of trial and error, but they make these little gradual changes. You know, They're really following the scientific method. And finally, they find a recipe using white corn, and this gives birth to the American-style lager. They now have white this- White corn. White corn. White corn was the key. Okay. And it all had to do with the proteins in it. You know, a combination of the sugars that can be accessed for the brewing, mm -hmm. the proteins that are in it, and the flavor. So they now have a longer-lasting lager. They can start selling further away. They start selling as far away as Colorado and New York. Production oh, wow. rises to 100,000 barrels a year. And he changes the name from Best to Paps Brewing Company. And they become the number one in the country. By 1880... You know, this is four years after discovering this formula. They're doing 270,000 barrels of beer a year. Oh, that's amazing. And to stake dominance, he decides to build a 14-story building, the Paps Building, 235 feet tall, one of the tallest in the country, dominates the Milwaukee skyline. He also builds Paps Theater. By 1892, they're doing 800,000 barrels a year, still number one. Yeah. But at this point, Schlitz is starting to cut it into their market with this idea of tied houses, and more on that in the Schlitz episode. But they're getting close. In 1893, along comes the World's Fair in Chicago. Now, there's lots of times where I've heard references to this fair, and I decided, like, what was the big deal about this fair? This fair was a huge event. It yeah. was set on 690 acres of land, and 27 and a half million people visited this fair. It was a huge deal, yeah. And when you look at what the population was, you know, in 1893, that was massive. There was a one-day record attendance of over 750,000 people. 751,026 people, a one-day record, like which... Again, for that time, it's just unimaginable numbers, like just huge. And of course, when you've got 27 and a half million people, there's going to be beer. Somebody's thirsty in that group. There was 87 beer stands and of course, a beer competition. So Paps submits the beer with a little blue ribbon around the bottle. <laughs> Already won. And that was the idea. Show them the one that's going to win. Paps does well, but no beer actually wins the competition. But Paps declares themselves the winner. <laughs> With their blue ribbon. <laughs> Ironically, the beer that did the best was Guinness. Yeah, but they keep the blue ribbon on the beer. Paps has a parade back in Milwaukee to commemorate their victory. And even <laughs> today, on the bottle, there's the claim, selected as America's best in 1893. Oh, that's funny. But they yeah. weren't. Well, they did win the most of the American beers. There was no declaration of this is the best beer. Yeah. 
So they kind of stretch things a little bit. It's undisputed though. <laughs> it for, was. For the most part. For right. the most um, part, yeah. They just yeah. basically named themselves the winner and had a parade and put it on the bottles. Somebody over at Schlitz is saying, I call bullshit. And uh, yet, <laughs> yet the PBR people are like, hey, you know, bragging rights. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's also why that beer is now called Pabst Blue Ribbon because of, yeah. of that. Now, in 1908, Captain Pabst dies, and he's at the time when he passes away, he's one of the richest men in Wisconsin. And in 1985, Pabst is bought by Paul Kalmowitz. I'm butchering that because it's a Russian name, because he's a self-made uh-huh. real estate baron. They buy it for $63 million. But it's now owned by Blue Ribbon Intermediate Holdings, which is a partnership between another Russian-American beer entrepreneur, Eugene Kasper and TSG Consumer Partners, which is a San Francisco-based private equity firm. And it's suggested that they bought it for a price of around $700 million. There was a time where it was a really big, big deal. The story of Pops is amazing. They were the largest brewery until 1902 when they were passed by Schlitz. And then in 1957, Budweiser became the largest. But the really interesting part to me was how this is really about the story of the birth of American lager. Stay tuned, we're gonna wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Two words, lead flow. If you wanna grow your business, lead flow is, well, not everything, but it sure can feel that way. You feel the need, the need for leads. And then there's the gnawing questions that plague you whenever you try to boost lead flow. Are you targeting the right customer? Are you saying the right things? Are you advertising in the right places? Are you spending too much or too little? And the ever-present, how can I best use social media? What if you could get those questions answered definitively in 90 minutes? You'd no longer feel the need for leads because now you'd know how to get them. That's what Empire Builders is offering you right now for free and with a guarantee to boot. Go to empirebuildersprogram.com, book a 90-minute Zoom meeting with the Empire Building Expert, and boom, questions answered, problems solved. We'll give you the real answers, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yes, our famous no-pitching and no-bitching guarantee. First, we won't pitch you at all, seriously. If you want to work with us beyond our meeting, you'll have to explicitly ask about moving forward. And the bitchin' part? If you're not satisfied with the answers, say the word. And I'll pay you cold hard cash for your wasted time. No hard feelings. Now that's a guarantee. Look, empire builders take action. If lead flow is an issue for you, take action on it. Book your Zoom meeting at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. It's such a capitalistic move, too, right? It's We build this empire by saying, okay, we need a product that we can ship farther and will last longer on shelves. I mean, it wasn't even a quest for, we need a beer that's going to be way better than all the other beers. It's more of, hey, if they don't have beer in Colorado, uh, let's send them some. Yeah, and you've often talked, Dave, in past podcasts about how challenges often lead to innovation. So here Mm -hmm. he went out and he bought this brewery, and the only way he could make the numbers work is, I have to sell 
a whole bunch more beer. And the only way I can do that is I have to move outside of this market, which led to the shelf life challenge. But yeah, it was and, that challenge that led to the innovation, right? Yeah, and and it was this was also at a time when you know it was the point where you could really ship a lot of things by rail by then. Yes. Yes. And so you could move this beer to lots of faraway points in a fairly short amount of time. And I think the interesting thing too is that he established this and then everybody followed suit. I mean that it's not just that Pabst became the beer that it everybody drank it's this type of beer became the beer everybody is drinking because it can be shipped yeah it can be shipped and it turns out also very popular because it's you know it's light and it's refreshing yeah. and it's cold right yeah. like it was it was able to be shipped warm cooled down served cold but the other part that i found interesting and again we see this so often that big change is brought by people who come from outside of the industry he wasn't mm -hmm. a brewer he was a ship captain. Yeah. This problem was sitting in front of brewers for a long time. But it's this ship captain who comes along, does this thing, says, holy crap, here's this challenge. And, and I could just imagine the meeting at the brewery. We're going to change the recipe. <laughs> You're going to what? what? <laughs> yeah. Right? There'd be this immediate, but oh my God, we're brewers. This is the recipe. We brought this from Germany. We're very proud of it. This is authentic. Yeah, and his outside view was of somebody, even if he wasn't a very good steamship captain or, or <laughs> not very lucky steamship captain because he lost his ships. But he knew that horizons were not your limits. If you're just in the brewing business and you're sitting in Milwaukee and you're looking around going, how do we sell more beer? You need more people. And as a steamship captain, his point of view would have been, no, I, you can steam by lots and lots and lots of towns in a day, right? And uh, we need to be able to get beer to those towns and have it last long enough for them to drink it. Right? That's a really interesting, I hadn't thought about that, Dave, and that's a brilliant observation because when we think about, you know, the 1890s, people didn't travel much. No. So the no. worldview would be very small where he would, as you said, has this traveler's view. And look, even today, I think it's real important to have a traveler's view and look outside the world and see the other things that are going on and get different perspectives and look outside of your industry and outside of your city and, mm -hmm. and to other places. It does change your perspective. This is even one of the reasons why, you know, when we do our one days with people where we set that business growth foundation that we have customers travel to us. Because even if it's a place they visited before, the act of being in a different geography changes your perspective on things. It really does. It really does. And it honestly, it also helps being an outsider. So it's like if, if I'm trying to think of a, uh, a category I've never worked in. Let's say, let's say um, plastic surgery. <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah. So if you're looking to market your plastic surgery business, and if your thinking is, I got to find somebody that's really good at marketing for plastic surgeons, what you're looking for is a recipe of sameness, right? Yes. You're going to get marketing that's just the same as all the others. If you're looking for innovation, man, find somebody that's never marketed plastic surgeons 
and can look at things differently and can say, you know, we think it has these parallels with this other business, this other industry that we've worked on. And, or, or we just know how to implement innovation and can come up with something new for you. That's, I see so many, I think, it, and I, I use that as an example because I see so many of it, uh, so, so much of it happening in medical fields, right? There are dentists that only believe that dental marketing companies started by a former dentist that's the only way to market a dental practice. Right. And sure, it, it probably works most of the time. Right. But you're going to look and sound like all the other dentists. Yeah, we're going to be now north of 70 podcasts. And how many of those, the core of the story is somebody who was an outsider? Mm-hmm. Almost all of them. Almost, yeah. I mean, that's even advice I give business owners is, man, don't go to your national convention, your industry convention to look for innovation. Go to something else, right? Well, exactly if right. If you're a plastic surgeon, go to a roofing convention. Go somewhere. In some place that, that you have no idea what they're talking about, you will find something that you can apply. Absolutely. And ask yourself this question. When you see something that someone else is doing in another industry, it's really easy to go, like using your example of, I'm a dentist and I go to a roofing convention. It's really easy to look at that and go, well, I'm not a roofer, so I can't do that. And that shuts mm-hmm. the brain down. Yeah. The more interesting question to ask yourself is, given I'm a dentist, how can I apply that? And that opens the brain to going, hmm, well, I could use this and I could use this and I could yeah. do that. And that's where innovation comes from, is asking yourself that question. Given that I am this, how can I apply that? Or given that I'm in this town, how can I apply that? The moment you go, well, I can't do that because of this, it's like the brain goes, okay, don't have to think about that any longer. Done. Shut yeah, down. Yeah. Paps Blue Ribbon. There you go. I, I, I was going to say I may have to go grab a cold one right now. We're recording this at, at you know, 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't Great know. way to start the day. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. I enjoyed this one. Thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast.com. <laughs>